These days, I talk to people all over the world who have all sorts of diagnoses, and there is a huge rabbit hole you can jump down when it comes to medication, supplements, and alternative therapies. But what about the role of the nervous system? Stay tuned to today's episode to find out more. Welcome back to the Sarah Kleiner Wellness YouTube channel. Today, I have a friend and returning guest, Irene Lyon, and we are going to talk about the nervous system and how this plays into healing the body overall. Now, as I talk about in this episode, I have actually spoken with several people this year who had a long list of diagnoses that were pretty much incurable or something that was chronic that had to be managed with medications, with supplements. But when they actually began to manage the nervous system and to heal the nervous system, these diagnoses began to fall away. So I wanted to bring in, again, my good friend Irene to talk about this aspect of healing that is often overlooked in it when it comes to alternative health and just health in general. So make sure that you check out all of her resources linked in the show notes below. Her Smart Body, Smart Mind program is open for registration through September the 19th. So I'm gonna try to get this episode out before the 19th. If you listen to this and it resonates with you and you wanna check it out, that's gonna be linked down in the show notes in the information section below for you. So please do check that out. And before we jump into today's chat, I wanna thank two sponsors. The first one is gonna be Viva Rays. Now they are my go-to source for protecting my circadian rhythms. You can use the code YOGI to save 15% at Viva Rays. They also have great eye masks and low EMF headphones so you can listen to podcasts like this one. And then the second sponsor is Upgraded Formulas. They have a fantastic hair tissue mineral analysis that will help you get to the bottom of mineral imbalances that you might be experiencing. Now, a blood test is only gonna tell you what's happening right now, and then a hair tissue mineral analysis will let you know what's been going on the last 60 to 90 days. So use my code YOGI12 or YOGI if you've already used that one before to save over at Upgraded Formulas. And both of those sponsors are linked in the show notes if you wanna check them out. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everybody, welcome back to the show. I'm excited to have a good friend of mine and returning guest, Irene Lyon, and we are going to talk about the nervous system and healing, all the things. So thank you, Irene, so much for being here today. Of course, always. I love talking, talking, talking about this, and um, it's a it's a timely time because yep. of some things going on in my world. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we were just talking before I turn on the camera. I feel like you know, and we've talked about this before, but it's, I think it's worth repeating, yeah. you know, people that are doing all the things, doing all the diet, even maybe some of the quantum and circadian things that I talk mm -hmm. about, mm -hmm. um, they're still stuck. Right. And, and the role that the nervous system plays yeah. in this, I think is, is so huge. Can yeah. we talk, uh, unpack that a little bit? Of course. Well, I mean, I was someone who didn't start off learning about the nervous system. You know, I was in nutrition and exercise and fitness for so many years in my twenties and early thirties and even mind body. I'm trained in something called the Feldenkrais method, which mm -hmm. is a very sophisticated form of mind body neuroplasticity work. And what happened, Sarah, is I was in private practice and helping people with their bodies. And some people were getting really better, you know, like I had at the time. And but then there were some people that just no matter what you did, no matter how 
in tune they were, no matter how free their movements got, um, things would just pop back into pain, into constriction, lack of flow, um, you know, you name it. And that led me to the work of Peter Levine. So mm -hmm. he's sort of in many ways, the grandfather, the grandmaster of putting on the map that trauma um, gets stuck in the nervous system. Us as humans, uh, we are also animals. We have animal physiology, we have mammalian physiology, and we um, we need to release not just stress, but we need to release our fight and our flight due to times when we couldn't, right? Mm -hmm. And um, what we see and what he saw and what, I don't want to say it's 100% conclusive because it's hard to put that label on things, but we know through a lot of research um, that when a human stores their stress, stores their fight, flight, and the real one is freeze. Mm -hmm. We talked about freeze in the past, but that's where we shut things down, where we stop feeling because things are just so intense. We just can't feel everything. Under that freeze, there's still fight, flight. It's mm -hmm. kind of like the tiger is in the cage and it needs to get out. And because of human, I don't like the word culture, but it's our culture and it's our conditioning, really. It's our conditioning. We don't express our animal instincts. And what occurs is it gets trapped in the system. The energy, it's big energy. Imagine trapping a tiger in a cage mm -hmm. and never letting it out. It will try to get out, but eventually, if it isn't let out, it will it will go listless. It will collapse and it'll get sick. It just won't be, even if you feed it, even if you have it outside, it needs to do its animal things. Mm -hmm. So what I found was that there are these people that I was working with who were just not getting better with even the sophistication I was working with. They had trapped, we would call it trauma, but we would also say they were living with dysregulation of the autonomic nervous system even though they maybe were eating impeccably, they were, I lived in a mountain town. So people were outside speaking of quantum, mm -hmm. right? People were outside skiing, hiking in the rivers, you know, and yet they still weren't well. And so there was this piece of this fight, flight and freeze stuck in their physiology. And then when that happens, depending on your genetic predisposition, depending on old accidents, chemical traumas, all the things that we're exposed to, certain parts of the body will go off. Like someone might just have really bad back pain. Other people might have IBS. Other people might have more autoimmune kind of conditions. Other people might have what we would consider more mental um, illness um, and the whole myriad of things that we have. So in a nutshell, that was a long way of saying, yeah. um, you know, we need to work at this autonomic nervous system level because when it is on, um, here's an analogy. It's like if the fire is on, if there's a fire in the house, right? There's emergency in the house. You're not going to dust, right? You're not going to tidy up the towels and make sure there's toilet paper in all the bathrooms. That's too um, bottom level. Like there, the, the, there's a fire, got to put the fire out. So if a human system has that equivalent of threat, inside or outside, um, the upkeeping, the cellular repair, mm. the, 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 the gut turning over and stitching up the lining, yep. the immune system enhancing, it's not, it's just not a priority, nor is social connection, 
I better make a good meal tonight. The fire is, you know, it's like, you're going to just eat pop tarts. You know, you're not going to make a nice meal if you're under that kind of stress. So that's the other thing when we have this trapped survival stress, this trap, fight, flight, freeze, the system can't do its basic functions. And then that's when we get sick. Yep. I think that a lot of people these days, I mean, the the amount of people with autoimmune conditions that I have dealt with and it's thyroid. And I always feel like people are just quick to rush to thyroid medication. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it doesn't work. Yeah. Then they it's not, it doesn't help. Maybe it helps a little bit, but it's still like, I still don't feel good, Mm. you know, and then some other issue pops up and there's like a huge epidemic of thyroid conditions, um, Hashimoto's, you know? So how would all of that kind of play into, like you said, there's genetic predisposition. So people, do you think that they have like a genetic predisposition to be more, um, have an issue with thyroid, or do you think there's something inherent with the nervous system and, and the thyroid that kind of go together? I know that's mm. a lot of questions right there. <laughs> yeah, I know, you know, I wish I could say, but I can't. Yes, it's probably a genetic predisposition. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even think, honest to God, the most advanced scientists know because I agree. <laughs> we just don't have the equipment to look at the not only the human biology and system. I, but I believe in the energy body. I believe in soul and and these other elements of force that we just can't see. And so, you know, I, for instance, had a, a low thyroid a couple of years ago um, and my hormones were all off. I know I shared some of that with you personally, and, and it was like, my hair is falling out. What's going on? And, and I still don't know exactly what it was, but it was a combo of my age a little bit, but also my hormones were shifting. And I think I was just a little, a little stressed. And I had some old layers of my world, of my childhood, of the freeze. I had been in freeze my entire life, functional freeze. I was very Mm -hmm. functional, but my system still had this, like, like this stopping block on it. So thyroid is one of the many glands that we have um, that's governed by also the autonomic nervous system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the two glands that we talk about more when there's stress are the adrenals Mm -hmm. and they release uh, uh, adrenaline, cortisol, noradrenaline. And when there is a threat, a stress, these little puppies secrete out chemicals for fight flight. And if that is happening 24-7 from in utero, from birth, we're essentially sending out a signal that there's constant danger. And I'm not a specialist in in hormones. You probably have way more uh, knowledge of that now with all that you've been studying. But it's going to affect the cascade from the pituitary Mm -hmm. down Um, and the system is like, we're constantly under threat. We're constantly under stress. Now, the interesting thing, when you mentioned the genetics, um, we know that intergenerational and transgenerational trauma is a real thing. This Mm -hmm. has been studied in various ways. And even if we, as a person say, Irene, I'm not living in a war-torn country the way my mother was. I'm not living, you know, on a farm with very little money the way my father was. You know, I have 
um, affluence due to their hard work, you know, and my hard work. So one might say, well, yeah, okay, your dad has a thyroid condition and your mother has this thing. Um, it's just a genetic predisposition that you would, you know, get these things. And the, the thing is, is maybe I can upkeep my life and have good health and, and work on my traumas, but just maybe a little bit of that, it's like an overflow of their patterns of their way of living kind of creeps over. And it's it's very non-scientific to say that, but we do know that there is something called epigenetics, which means our genetics change based on environment. So I think that, you know, is this because of uh, genetics? Is it because of stress? Is it because of diet? Is it because of toxins? Is it because of lack of sunlight? I think the answer is yes to all of those. But I think I kind of see the vision of a pie chart, you know, those old fashioned pie charts. For some people, it might be more one or the other. You know, like I mentioned, I work with people back in the day who were under the sun, outside in nature all the time, exercising, fit. So that wasn't an issue. But then why were they still coming in with these problems? Right. And they had movement, they had flow. They had money in the bank. We're not living in a war-torn city. If anything, it's quite the opposite. So then what is the next thing? It must be this fight, flight, freeze that is trapping. Um, I've worked with um, people who have been told you have got this diagnosis. I'm thinking of one um, individual in particular. Um, she was diagnosed with lupus and it's gone after doing this work. And she had done a lot of work to get detox protocols in, diet, um, you know, all the mindfulness stuff. But even she said, Irene, and, and we did an interview, so I'll name her. Her name was Selden. Um, actually, she lives in Georgia, interestingly enough, where you are. And um, she did an interview with me and, and she said, you know, I've been meditating my whole life, but when I tapped into the nervous system work through your work, I felt all this anxiety. I felt all this panic. Like, what is going on? This is such a simple exercise of just orienting. I sit and I look out the window all the time. Why is it different, right? And so that leads me to know that there's like this other layer. It's almost invisible because she would sit and meditate. I know you are a meditator, you know, you'd sit, but then you do these weird exercises that tap into the nervous system. And it's like, it uncovers this whole other level of understanding that maybe we never considered was there. Hope that makes sense. Definitely. It definitely makes sense. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, going back to what you were saying about this inherited thing. Yeah, yeah. It makes me, um, I don't remember who it was that had this really interesting analogy of pets and people. Okay. Oh yes. That, I don't know if you <laughs> like, I, I think I might know where you're going, but you tell me first. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've, I've heard of this. No, I can't remember who was giving this analogy. Maybe it was Dr. Mate, but I'm not sure of, mm-hmm. you know, someone saying that obesity is genetic, right? Right. But how would someone, and, and so many people with obesity have obese pets. So right. it's like, <laughs> is it, is it all genetic or is there some nervous system component that's being, you know, <laughs> at play here? Right. Like, yeah. 
Same yeah. thing with thyroid, same thing with all of these things. Like I yeah. wonder how much of this like generational, um, trauma and, and these generational things that we hand down to our kids and our pet, even our pets, you know, um, well, yeah. having been raised by a veterinarian, two veterinarians mm-hmm. in an animal hospital, I can tell you that not always, but the energy of a pet will will parallel the energy of the owner. Not always, mm. but usually the animals that are a little stringy and a little like you're not so sure you should touch them, their owners, I would say nine times 9.5 times out of 10 were not the nicest people. Mm-hmm. I actually still have a scar on my hand, Sarah, from a Siamese cat that took a chunk out of my hand when I was a kid working there. I can't remember her name. I'm sure she's long past, but we all knew Mrs. So-and-so because she had the mean Siamese cat. Oh gosh. And I just laughed because you it happens. And the reason why this happens is it's part of that that parasympathetic. I mean, you learned about this through the course of the ventral vagal. That is the social engagement um, Mm -hmm. part of our nervous system. And mammals all have it. Our cats and dogs have it. And so if we are a human that is crusty and and hates the world because we were treated poorly, Mm -hmm parents who were crusty and didn't like the word and world and had their own traumas the way we hold that kitten or that dog like they'll feel our energy they'll feel our reluctant our reluctant I can't say it reluctance <laughs> there are reluctance to to like be really connected and loving and caring and so if we're always yapping if we're always you know um talking poorly to these animals, just like if we talk poorly to our children, mm-hmm. they'll put up a defense. And um, not always the case. There's exceptions where there might be a true medical reason why someone is not doing well. And then that then you have to look at that, right? Um, but the pet thing is so bang on. And, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I remember sitting at a coffee shop and I had to leave because I couldn't watch this woman continue to abuse her dog. Uh-huh. She had this beautiful golden retriever and golden retrievers are very docile. You know, they're just, that's how they typically are. And she, she was kicking it lightly mm. to try to get its attention. And then as soon as the dog would look at her and you could tell that this dog was exhausted of this, this game, this woman would play. She, the dog would look at her like, what do you kind of like, what the F do you want? And then she'd ignore it. Huh? It would, but there's situations with mothers and babies where they'll do this dance of miss of it's like an attachment game. Mm. And it's like, I want you to pay attention to me, but then I'm gonna avoid you. you know, that avoidant attachment, these disorganized ways that we attach to babies. And so chances are, I mean, I'm making this up, she probably has her own trauma some kind of messed up attachment from her mother. So she has this dog and she's trying to connect with it by kicking it. But as soon as the dog connects, she has to look away. Hmm. Isn't that, I I just thought that was so interesting to me. And I'm like, wow, I, I, first of all, I felt for the dog. Secondly, I felt for her 
Yeah. Because it's like, you've got this beautiful golden retrieved pup, you know, scratch his ears, talk to it, smile, yeah. it, have fun with it, go to the, the park, play fetch. And then yet she was just sitting here playing this weird game. So I say that because we say, oh, this thing runs in the family. Right. But if, if we transfer that to a human mother with a human baby, let's just say this sort of strange attachment bond happens. If nothing occurs to break that, and chances are it doesn't when the baby is little and a toddler, that adult is going to have that weird attachment situation with other humans. It doesn't have to be just romantic. And and so the story goes and it gets repeated and repeated. People will say addiction runs in the family. Right. Or Maté talks about this a lot. He's like, this is not genetic. This is right. learned behavior. This is stress chemistry. And it's a way to soothe. Yeah, exactly. It's a way to soothe ourselves or to pick ourselves up depending on the drug of choice. And so it's it's very convenient to say it's genetic. Mm-hmm. There are things that are genetic. We know that, like, right. like disorders and that kind of thing. But these more um, psycho-emotional, social, behavioral things, um, when you really trace it back, you will find stress in the family system, mm-hmm. trauma in the family system, and everyone in that family system might turn to, say, addiction. Someone else might turn to adrenaline sports. Right. Right. Or being a workaholic or some other thing that keeps them in check with their body that has all this fight, flight, fight, flight, freeze energy in it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I've shared this before, but I Mm -hmm. did this full genetic testing. Um, Dr. Anthony J who's really interesting. Okay. I need to get him back on the show actually. He's really interesting guy. Um, and I was asked, I'm like, where, where's the addiction genes? Cause he was telling me, oh, there's an alcoholism gene. There's addiction genes. I'm like, well, where's that on my report? He's like, you don't have those. I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) I was shocked. He's like, no, you don't, you, there is a gene that we look at. That's very associated with alcoholism and drug addiction. You do not have that gene. And I was like, whoa, because that's something that I have struggled with from a young age, you know, by the grace of God, I have a reprieve from that because I don't do those things and I have ways to manage, uh, manage that side of myself now, thank goodness. But I was like, so all these people that, you know, and we have alcoholism all on down the family line, you know, people dying in their thirties and, Mm -hmm. but and it's what you see, like right. it's what's yeah. interesting, right? Like, so if kids see mom and dad drinking or mm-hmm. other forms of, of addictive behavior, you know, a child doesn't say, okay, I want to be that when I grow up. Right. But they see that's a coping mechanism. Just yeah. like if you see um, a parent constantly get angry and violent when they can't handle stress. Yeah. I mean, you've got kiddos. They're so good at mimicking what yeah. you do. Exactly. And it's like, well, that's what I do when I'm stressed. So maybe I'll try this thing that mom and dad do. And then before you know it, it's, it's a, it's a huge crutch. Exactly. Um, But no, I think genetics, obviously I have brown hair, you have blonde hair. There's certain parts that are just, that's true. Right. 
Um, but recently, a friend's wife um, passed from cancer, very young, my our age, really. Oh, wow. And um, she did all the genetic testing, and there wasn't one gene, there was no genes for, for typical cancers. And it was lifestyle, it was stress-induced, it, mm. it was too much, I, I think, non-native EMF radiation, not enough wow. sunlight, um, and just just too much stress. Yeah. You know, and so we can turn on the markers for these diseases via our stress levels. But here's the thing, stress happens. I mean, we're going to have things that occur that are stressful to us. Um, but it's how are we ma- not just managing, but how are we allowing that stress to come in, but then leave? Yeah. And if we don't allow it to leave, then yes, it will build up in our system. Like my analogy of a swimming pool with beach balls in it. Mm. If there's tons of beach balls in a swimming pool, like so packed, you can't jump into that pool. There's no flow. You're likely to drown if you try to go in there because you can't break through. And so when our body has all these stressors stored, the system can't um, do the upkeep. And we also know that people can cure things, as I mentioned, like autoimmune and cancers. Like we know this. Yeah. I'm sure you know people who have healed from insane mm-hmm. things where it's like, that's just, you're just going to die. Right. And it's like, well, and then this is where the mind comes in too, because we know if someone accepts those diagnoses, um, I can't, you know, name a research study, but I'm sure there's one out there that it's like when one accepts their thing, their diagnosis, it's likely that that won't have a good prognosis. Whereas if there's this, I'm going to figure this out, agency, and not in a way that's like egotistical, but just my body can heal. I've heard that it can heal. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to explore this. What can I do to get myself super regulated and robust so that I'm able to take care of these troubles that are going on in the system. I hope you're enjoying today's episode with Irene Lyon. I just wanted to remind you that her Smart Body, Smart Mind program is going to be open for registration September the 12th through the 19th. So if you're listening to this episode the day that it comes out and it is resonating with you in any way, make sure you check that out as well as all of her resources linked in the show notes below. And if you are interested in any of my programs or free resources, those are also linked down in the show notes. So make sure that you check those out. Let's go ahead and jump back into today's episode. Yep. And that's the thing, like I've talked to some people over the last year, just Mm -hmm. in about nervous system rewiring or nervous system healing. Um, one young lady had not been, she'd been told like, sorry, there's nothing we can do. She was having seizures constantly. Couldn't be left alone, um, was underweight, could barely even walk and had been, had a a book full of diagnoses, you know, Lyme and, you know, um, SIRS and all these different, all these different diagnoses Mm -hmm. she had. And I think that she made a decision at some point that she wasn't going to own these any longer. And she said a bit, you know, she did do carnivore diet and that was helpful and started getting into nature, going outside, all that stuff. But she said a big part of it was working on her nervous system and kind of like rewiring her nervous system. And Mm -hmm. so, Mm -hmm. and I'm talking to more and more people that are, are doing this. And so like, how the heck does that work for somebody who is listening? Yeah. They're like, great. 
I have, you know, maybe it's just, they have weight that they can't lose. Cause I know yeah. that's one thing you and I have talked about before, yeah. Yeah. um, is that that can be a nervous system issue. If you 100%. can't lose weight. Um, yeah. but what about these people that are like, I have all these diagnoses, how the heck do I do, do this nervous system piece in mm-hmm. order to break free from these things? Mm-hmm. So great question. And if we go back to what I mentioned earlier about the nervous system is governing, you know, all these processes, the, the digestion, the immune, the gut, the gut I mentioned, the, the hormones, the circulation, right? The, the heart rate, the respiration, um, all these things. And what often, I'm going to go backwards, Sarah, because often people think working with the nervous system means rewiring the brain. And and that's not entirely true because the brain is still an end organ to the nerve to the autonomic nervous system. Mm-hmm. So if you are in fight, flight, freeze, the brain is not going to have good working cognition, memory, all these things. So what um what I've created, as you know, and you've gone through the course, um, smart body, smart mind, it takes a person through really an apprenticeship of their physiology, not just from a practical perspective, but the education, the theory, which a lot of people think, ah, that's not important. I just want the practices so that I can do the tools. We can't do that in this day and age. We need to understand and learn about the complexity of things like attachment, of things like the vagus nerve and what it actually is, because that's getting thrown around left, right, and center in a very inaccurate way in a lot of the influencer world and the healing spaces. And it's like, we need to understand how that plays in. We also have to understand how we were wired Mm. from the beginning, because if we didn't have good solid co-regulation and wiring from the beginning, our starting blocks are a little different than someone who did have good co-regulation and wiring from the beginning. And so by understanding some of these things, we, first of all, look at this big picture and go, okay, this is what the nervous system is. This is what it governs. And then let's get into the practices. And so um, you've done SBSM, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not your typical um, sit there and imagine certain things, part of that, but it's bringing us back into the natural impulses of the body and what we would naturally have done as an infant, granted we had safety in the environment, granted we had movement time for play, we're learning to connect with the environment. We're learning to bring back in touch. What is, I mean, you have a newborn right now. He needs touch, right? Yep. That connection, that attunement, listening to the different cries, you probably know the cries now and what they mean. Mm -hmm. That's part of the apprenticeship of a little one connecting with its main caregiver. For many of us um, as babies, we didn't get that. Or it was misattuned. Clearly we got enough because we wouldn't be here alive and well, but these slight misattunements leave our system in distress over years and over years. So, To work with the nervous system, it's like taking on this giant project. I think it's very creative in many ways. It's scientific, but it's creative because you're having to relearn how to listen to your impulses. 
you're having to relearn how to listen to your gut. This is why I think a lot of people either under or overeat or mm-hmm. don't eat the right things is they don't know how to listen to what their system needs. Yes. And so when you start to, we call it follow your impulse, your biological impulse, um, an odd thing occurs where the system actually is like, whoa, she's listening to me. This is the first time she's listened to me. Something's different. And then the system actually starts to get more curious. Mm. You get more curious and you then start offering it what it needs, which then just like a baby, what happens when baby cries and hunger, you give it food. Yeah. It regulates. Yeah. And so oddly, that's exactly what we're teaching in Smart Body, Smart Mind. The difference is, is I'm obviously not your mother. Um, The the instructions are audio and you are teaching yourself through my guidance how to reconnect to the impulses, to the environment, to your movement. Mm. This is a huge part of rewiring the nervous system and restoring regulation. A lot of people leave this out. Yeah. And movement isn't just like bicep curls and that's important too, right? Cardiovascular strength, important. This is the same movement exploration that again, little baby does when they're learning how to crawl, roll over, push themselves up, walk, balance, right? There's some exercises that we teach that bring in those proprioceptive Mm. sensory motor patterns so that you reteach yourself how to listen to your body. Because again, many of us, I was one of them, we were put in uh, devices. We were put in things that just restricted our movement yep. for babies. Yep. And we didn't, or maybe we didn't have room, you know, right. maybe mom couldn't just leave us on the floor and let us play yep. and all that. But that's how a, an infant learns. So I guess one could say the way that I teach rewiring is very different than some of the other practices mm-hmm. that focus on management strategies, yeah. breath work, mm-hmm. I work specifically. Um, and what often happens, Sarah, is people think they're doing rewiring work of the nervous system when they change their thought patterns. Yes. And while that is useful, that is not the autonomic nervous system level because the autonomic nervous system level does not have thought. That's higher cognition. Okay. It's sensory. It's it's literally coming back to if I was a baby, how would I communicate? And it wouldn't be through my voice. Right. Right. It would be through my grunts and groans. I'm hot. Okay. I'm going to cry because I need some clothing removed, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So um, I hope that makes sense. It's, yeah. It's so hard to describe something that really isn't from the beginning um, communicated via words. Right. Right. Baby is not going to communicate to mom via words. Right. It's through watching the facial expressions. Like I said, temperature regulation, um, quality of tone of skin. Mm. You know, when a little person or even an animal is sick because they're just listless. There's like Mm -hmm. this. Like they don't have the tone in their body. Right. And so a lot of us don't even recognize that in ourselves. A lot of people who are in collapse due to lots of freeze have this kind of collapsed skin, this this lack of tone in their body. 
Whereas those that have more fight flight, they've got like this heavy body armor and no matter what they do, the tension is always there. Mm. So um, it's kind of, I, I like to say it's a, an apprenticeship in learning about yourself. And I always like to say, become your, becoming your own medicine mm. by getting into these um, deeper elements of your internal physiology. I love it. Yeah. I love that distinction too. Cause I think there's a lot, I think that the trauma and the nervous system, this is a topic that's becoming really, really popular, Very popular. in somatic work. But then I see so many different schools mm-hmm. of thought around this and different methodologies and, yeah. you know, I'm like, well, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Yeah. I just realized I didn't answer your question. Someone has all these diagnoses. Oh yeah. Right? That's what you mm-hmm. asked mm-hmm. on a tangent. So it almost like if someone goes and reads through, if they take some time to read through some of our testimony and, and anecdotes of people healing, they're going to see it isn't just anxiety that people are talking about. It isn't just chronic fatigue. It's a myriad of things that our students shift from. Mm. And the reason why is because we're not bringing people in and asking them what's wrong with you. We never ask in smart body, smart mind, what are your diagnoses? What is it that you've, what are you trying to heal? Of course, if someone wants to share that Mm. in our introductory forums, they're more than welcome to share what's going on, but we don't ask that and we don't need to know because we're, we're going back to those basic foundational pieces of teaching you how to regulate your nervous system. And when that happens, it touches these parts that are off. It touches these parts that are under strain, are under um, stress, are unwell because the organ systems just can't upkeep. It doesn't replace a good physiotherapy session or a good osteopathic session or chiropractic session. And I think in conjunction, some of these other practices are wonderful. So it's sort of building this foundation. So if someone has multiple diagnoses, usually they commingle, right? Usually there's a commingling. Very rarely will you see someone who just has a gut problem, right? They'll also have something else and something else, or maybe their sleep is off. Um, or they have low energy. Um, so that's a sign that, okay, there's something much deeper in the system that we need to work with. And of course, one of the deepest systems is this autonomic nervous system. Yeah. I think that's a very, very important key thing here is just going underneath, you know, going to those layers and, and a lot of this, like, I I don't have anything, any problem with positive visualization and and changing thought patterns. I think it's important to do those things, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of like not, it's kind of surface level if I'm understanding correctly. And we need to, if we're going to make this stuff work, go below the surface. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I I love so much. It's like, you're looking under the hood rather than just what's on the outside of the vehicle. And um, you're right about the thoughts. And what we have found is that when the physiology is less in survival, the cognition falls in a bit better. The behaviors change a bit more naturally. And again, it's because that autonomic nervous system drives the brain. 
And that kind of goes against what a lot of folks have talked about in the positive psychology world and in behavior change modification. But anyone who's been in this world long enough knows you can try to force a behavior to change. But if you're not working with the underlying reasons as to why that behavior is there in the first yes. place, it's like you're just you're just adding fresh soil to a garden that has toxic waste in it, you know, or that has some kind of um, toxin that just shouldn't be there. It's like you you've got to remove yep. that root trouble um, so that the system can flourish with that thing that shouldn't be in there in the first place. Definitely. Um, so yeah, the thoughts, the behaviors, um, the, the sense of loneliness, interestingly mm. enough, this is something we've, we've recently uncovered. Mm. Um, people feel less isolated, um, when they do this work, even if they still live alone. Wow. And that was actually an actual scientific um, statistical thing that came out of doing a study with some people from SBSM two years ago. I still haven't released the full data, but one of the most um, glaringly visible things that occurred was those who reported feeling alone and isolated, um, low self-worth, that completely shifted after 12 weeks of doing this work. And my hunch, my theory as to why that is happening, even though they're still living alone, is they're actually connected to themselves mm. in a real meaningful way. And they're connected to the environment. And when you have that, you actually can be alone for long periods of time. It's when you're just living in your head that you can go a bit crazy because you don't have anything else to pay attention to, but your thoughts. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know that you have an amazing program because I've yes. done it, your smart yes. body, smart mind program. And it's only, you used to only run it once a year, but you are opening it up. Twice. Again, typically. Twice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 I have more yep. help. So that's why we can make it run twice a year before it was just all me running the show. So um, yeah, we are running it again. I mean, this is a time sensitive date. Um, we open up registration September 12th to the 19th, 2023. Um, and then we begin the course proper on the 24th. It's 12 weeks, um, really 16 in the end, because we have some break weeks. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a it's a it's a curriculum that you don't try and do in 12 weeks, everything. Most no. I've met one person. <laughs> Even my colleagues have not been able to complete the 12 weeks in 12 weeks. And because of that, when a person does join, they're really a member and they can come back each time we do the rounds and you don't have to wait for the next right. live round. Just it's like, it's like reading a really good book that you just keep coming back to over and over again. And you mm. just keep reviewing and adding and just like you wouldn't hold your baby only one hour a week. You, right. It's, you know, seems silly to say it, but I developed the course because it wasn't enough for me to just work with clients one hour a week. Mm. They needed homework. They needed practice. They needed to learn. And so this is literally doing that in the way that I felt needed to happen to really teach people self-regulation. Mm. So that's, 
that's what smart smart body smart mind is obviously there's more logistical details but all that's on our site which people can check out fantastic well I'm just so grateful for you and for this work. It's been really helpful for me and and so many people in my community as well yeah. have done your programs and just especially Smart Body, Smart Mind and just love it. And so I'll make sure that anybody who's listening or watching can access the links to the program. And then you have other resources as well if they're oh, not quite so ready much. for Smart Body, Smart Mind. I mean, yeah. Tons of resources. Yeah. yeah. My site is is a little more e- easier to navigate now. So for those that are new, there's literally a new here page. So you go there. Perfect. Read, there's some downloads. Um, and you know, the one thing I will say is if a if someone is able to join and they feel that they're not ready yet, like just say financially, they know they can do it. Um, but they're like, ah, I think I'll wait until I feel more ready. Don't do that. there's there's no in my opinion there's no such thing as being ready a lot of times people will say I'm going to wait till I have more safety on board this will help you build the safety this Mm -hmm. will help you be ready the only situation where I would say to not start this is if you literally are in a war-torn zone and bombs are going off outside or if you're living in an environment where the abuse is so bad and if you even tried to work on yourself, it would be unsafe. I hope nobody is in that situation now, but those are sort of the, the few exceptions where I would say maybe get out of that survival world first before you start. Um, but for those that don't fall into those specific categories and they got a roof over their head and food in the fridge and a little bit of peace and quiet, even a couple moments a day, like it will give you the capacity to build safety. That's exactly Mm. what it teaches. Perfect. Yeah. I love it. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. Thank you. It's been awesome to chat and I know we'll do it again. So (laughs) thanks for being here. Thanks, my dear. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode with Irene Lyon. As always, check out the show notes for her information for Smart Body, Smart Mind open right now for registration. If that's something that is interesting to you or resonates with you, make sure to check that out as well as her free resources. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please head on over to Apple or Spotify, leave us up to a five-star review or send this out to a friend or family member if you think that nervous system healing is part of what could be holding them back in their overall healing journey. And I want to thank my two sponsors very quickly once more, Viva Rays for those circadian glasses, use code YOGI to save 15% there and upgraded formulas for their hair tissue mineral analysis with a consultation. Use code YOGI12 or YOGI to save there. They also have awesome mineral supplements. And again, thank you for listening to today's episode. I look forward to speaking with you again soon.